This is your Wrestling Podcast Fix. New weekly episodes of Inziguri on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. You can you can curse of whatever you, can, you want. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Tree fucking Mendes. Hey, what's going on? Nothing. I'm just waking up. This is Fran. And this is D.B. Richards. And we got another episode of the Instagram Podcast. Tonight we have an interview. Yes. Primetime Amy Lee. Yay. And hopefully um, things will be okay because there's a severe thunderstorm. Right now, the internet went out, but we're going to try to use our phone connections to actually make this phone call. So... Going through some technical difficulties, just bear with us. Oh yes, she's gonna call me. Oh, oh, okay. So we're so we're waiting for a phone call. Yes. So double nothing happened this week. That's great. I know how much you guys. Did you see anything? Or you saw clips? Or I saw clips because for the people that couldn't watch it, there's actually quite a few clips of it on YouTube. I would say, oh, don't go on there, but it's freaking YouTube. Like, if you look it up, you can find stuff, and then you can enjoy it. So, um, yeah, most of the people that I talked to, which we had discussion about this, they, even the ones that have had criticism, still said that it was very good for our first show. Um, it wasn't nearly as amazing as tony khan said during an interview but he's the owner of the company or he's like the person running it is that the the, uh, the other guy is actually the owner but uh but yeah i mean it was their very first show there's like you know it's it was it was very good um ambrose or not ambrose but moxley you know but jo- uh, moxley coming out at the very end that's something that they kind of needed to happen. They needed to have something like that happen. I I basically forgot that Pac was even supposed to wrestle at the show because I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, a lot of other people, you know, that might have been something that was held against them, which it kind of was because it just, they, they you know, they really need to... Apparently the whole story with that was the fact that, like, during the show, they, they didn't want to have bullshit endings like they you know and and i and i know that i I know that you have a have an opinion about that because bullshit endings are good to keep interest levels high because people want to see what happens afterwards but we need to get back into the whole mindset of wrestling where you can still have clean endings and forward storylines from there it's been so long since we've seen that on a consistent basis that i think people forget that you can still do that Um, but, you know, kind of like with, with Money in the Bank when Brock won the briefcase, which everybody fucking hated, but now with him carrying around like a boombox, everybody thinks it's hilarious. So it's great to see that they're actually trying to do something with that. Um, I did catch clips of that also, and Brock is funny as hell right now. So, (laughs) um, but, but yeah, I mean... You know. Yeah, um, 
I wouldn't consider AEW as the number two show. Give it time. Because everybody in the world's calling it the number number two show. Like you said, it needs work. Like everything else. Um, I think Jim Ross needs to go. Nothing against him. But I had a headache when he just kept on talking and not knowing anything about these wrestlers. You know what I mean? Um, it was a pet peeve of mine. Like, I always had a pet peeve of Jim Ross, you know that. Um, I'm more more liking um, guys like um, Joey Styles. Or... I wish that uh, Moro wasn't signed with WWE. He would have been great. Um, I mean, even though he he kind of tries to fit in the whole mold of like the Jim Ross enthusiasm, like really marking out when things happen. Like that, you see, that's what I was talking to you about because I said that some announcers really get their appeal from how much they actually, from how much they get into this stuff. And when it came to the more storyline driven old school matches like Cody versus Dustin. He did better with that. Uh, he did better when Ambrose came out because yeah. I think he was really like kind of channeling when, when like, my God, it's like, you know, I, I, I almost thought that he was thinking like, I gotta think like Stone Cold just came out here. Like, you know, cause he was like, my God, Moxley is out here and the crowd is going crazy. Like, you know, that was good. But if you take that, and then you separate that, and then you listen to the stuff earlier, it sounded like, it almost sounded like a completely different person. It was like, yes, I can finally get into the stuff that I actually have a clue about, like, you know? And that's what I think I have problems with. But the entire announce team was a bit rusty because they all still needed to work together and try to come up with that synergy and, you know, chemistry, so that's one of the other problems. It's like how we had to get together and learn us. You know I mean? Oh, we're still learning us. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a never-ending process. But even 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 the people that work all the time with each other, like it, it's that's a continuous process. But and this was their very first show. I think they're still trying to figure things out, trying to iron out things. They got another pay-per-view coming up, um, and their TV show is not even going to be till later this year. So we're going to see what happens with that. I still um, think it's a um, long, long wait from now, from now to then. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll dive into that. We got plenty of time for that. We don't have to do that right now, even though we probably should, since it's a hot topic. But um, let's get yeah. the, let's see if the, let's see if this interview actually. Um, you're waiting for a call. Yeah, she hasn't called yet. So we have primetime Amy Lee on tonight. Is she is she on the phone right She's now? She's on the phone right now. Hello, Amy. What's up, guys? Are we allowed to curse or do we have to watch our You can you can curse of whatever you, can, you want. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Tree fucking Mendes. <laughs> um, congrats on your retirement. Oh, long overdue. Thirty years. Oh, thirty years on the Indies. <laughs> Oh gosh, how how was that all uh, uh, from the beginning? Uh, um, let's well, re- wrestling's changed tremendously. Uh, like I can actually say, wrestling's changed like one eighty. Um, when I started, there were still some territories, so you would get sent up to like um, you would get sent up to like the northwest, 
you know, out by Minnesota and all that, or the Midwest or down south where I was at USWA with the Jarrett's and Lawler and Gilbert and places like that, or you'd be sent down to Texas for a little bit. Well, um, Florida was kind of dead at that time. So there was a lot of indie companies in Georgia and stuff like that. And of course, just oversaturated in the Northeast area. So um, the one thing that I always learned was um, you may do your first match in your home, you know, in your local area, but you never want to stay in your local area. You always want to expand. You want to wrestle everywhere but your hometown area because you're never going to improve and no one's ever going to learn your name or know who you are if you stay in the one location where people do know your name and who you are. So you, you want people to recognize you. That's correct. Yeah, especially... I mean, especially back then, I mean, like, a lot of people talk about how, like, what you just mentioned, how the industry as a whole, I mean, like, society as a whole has changed with, with the incorporation of social media and everything, and how it's a lot easier to be known, you know, but, like, yeah, back then you would have had to have, like, done a lot more travel and try to get your name out, like, the old-fashioned way, I guess you can say, um, no, it's the truth, though. Like, back then, they had newsletters. Um, you you know, you had Paul Adamovic, you had Tommy Fierro. Of course, you had Meltzer back then. Um, you had a bunch of people, um, Lee Keller and all, that were doing newsletters talking about the different territories and things like that. But then you had the magazines. And back then, the magazines mostly covered a lot of the independencies. Of course, they covered... Um, at the time, WWF, and they would call it WCW and places like that. But they would also give a big, they would give a third of their magazine to the upcoming talent. Whereas nowadays, if you look at everything, it's pretty much fucking WWE and, you know, a little bit of Impact, a little bit of AEW and, and, and shit like that. It's, 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 it's so one set minded. Like, look at the WWE. They don't even acknowledge anybody past a certain point. Unless it's like WrestleMania time, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this person back in 1902." But pretty much, they don't—they don't really recognize anybody. It's like they're—they're the—they're the culprits of it all. Like I swear, Vince McMahon secretly has a perversion to ruin pro wrestling. I really do. I swear by it. And people laugh at me all the time, but I'm like, "Look what he did! He killed the territories." You know, he had a great thing with WrestleMania when he started that, but then it just. You know, every every month there's a pay per view now. Whereas before, if you guys remember, you had Survivor Series, SummerSlam. You know, you know, then you, know, you, had, you had WrestleMania. You had big shows like maybe three, four times a year, and they yeah. would either either kill an angle or start an angle. Now it just all runs in the Monday through through Sunday. It's same shit, different day. Oh gosh, uh, back then it was kind of fun because you you waited. I always waited when I was younger. I, my dad always had a friend that recorded everything for me. So I always mm-hmm. waited till that Sunday when he went to work. They go get the, the um, DVD. He said, "I'm bringing it home." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So like that was the fun part, like the wait, the storylines yeah, build, the anticipation, the build up, of course. And then you would turn around. They would have like the Saturday once once a month or once every two months. They'd have the Saturday night main event. You're like, "Oh wow!" On on national TV, they got. Uh, Hulk Hogan on there, and you're like, holy shit, you know, or Bret Hart, and you want to watch it, you know, because yes. back then it was more addictive because it had more believable bullshit storylines than it does today. Today, I don't even think they use storylines. I think they just, I think they play like, you know, it's it's like Yahtzee. You just throw the dice and go, okay, you know, let's see what the hell we come up with this week. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I mean, There's no ring psychology. There's no psychology whatsoever. 
None. None whatsoever. And I laugh because when people see someone like a Natty Neidhart or they see Charlotte Flair or, you know, Becky Lynch, and they're like, oh, my God, they're so great. They can wrestle. No shit, Sherlock. You had, that was a requirement back then. You had to be able to take an ass whooping as well as give an ass whooping, and you had to make it look good, you know? I, but um, I think yeah. that was um, I think that was one of the things that like Jake the Snake during an interview actually stated. He was just like, he was like, I you know I can't stand the people that are on TV right now. There's no psychology involved. It's great uh-huh. that you can do all these fucking flips and stuff, but exactly. you got to sell the moves, you know. So it's um, that's yeah, that's one of the well one of the other issues I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this yesterday because he was like. Oh, I hope um, when we were talking about the uh, Double or Nothing pay-per-view, he said, I hope that AEW is not all about the flips and shit. And it's like, well, if you watch NXT, which is like the one show that everybody seems to love, that's kind of that's kind of their thing. Is that It's like, oh, look, Johnny Gargano just kicked out of 20 finishers. Like, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like very they're... spotty. It's so spotty. Well, part of the problem is, now think about this. Part of the problem is, with psychology is you, anyone coming from the indies or anyone that is coming into the performance center, they're not trained by pros. Indie workers nowadays are trained by indie workers. Because if they were really trained by a pro, they'd have to really pay some serious fucking money. And we all know most indie workers are broke-ass mountain. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, seriously, if you think about it. I mean... You know, indie workers are being trained by indie workers. And, I mean, I could honestly say I was trained by a pro. I was trained by the great late Dickie Murdoch. You know, you can call him racist. You can call him a chauvinistic big. You can call him a motherfucker. You can call him a drunk. I don't really give a shit. But the bottom line at the end of the day is he gave me a 30-year career. I traveled to Japan. I went to Canada. I went to South America. I went to Europe. Numerous tours over in the U.K. and stuff like that. See, I don't go... One thing with me is I don't go on social media and say to everybody, yeah, I'm in Japan this week and I'm wrestling. That's not my fucking idea. It's not my job to promote me at a show. It's the fucking promoter's job. So you go put up the posters. You go do the vignettes and shit like that. You want me to do a promo? You know I love to fucking talk. I'll do the promo. But it's not my job to promote the show. It's your job to promote. You're that's, the promoter. I'm the wrestler. That's why I they go call them promoters. I wrestle, you fucking promote. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's why they call them promoters. I like didn't and, even, and no didn't even think of it I'm that way. I'm not going to be in Japan and say, "Hey, I'm over in Japan this week," and then some fucking crazy motherfucker comes and breaks in my house and steals all my goddamn fucking shit. I'm not stupid. Get the fuck out of here. I don't need to do that. And like, that, that, like you said, everybody on social media. Oh look, I, I worked out today and took a ten pound shit. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, that is. Guess what? I had a fucking baconator for dinner and I'm constipated. Should I put that on social media? Oh, that is. Oh, that is funny as hell. I look at these girls. I look at these girls. They must take a hundred fucking photos of themselves and put it on there. I go, look, this is me, no makeup. I'm gonna be fifty, no fucking wrinkles. Well, look at these bitches. They're half my age. They got wrinkles. Why? Because they worry too much and they refuse to eat carbs. Fat preserves, motherfuckers. It's like, it's like. Oh my gosh, I love you. It's like, stop putting up all these pictures and eat a sandwich. What's that? It's like, stop putting up these pictures and eat a sandwich. Oh, and everybody nowadays fucking vegan. We're saving the planet. We're vegans. Uh-huh. Okay, well... Come on, Dave. What's your opinion on that? Motherfuckers. For you vegans, that's just poor people food from the peasant days into the depression. 
depression when they couldn't afford me. My fat ass can't afford me. I'm going to eat that fucking nine-ounce filet mignon. Because if they didn't want me to have it, they wouldn't have killed the motherfucking cow. Come on, Dave. Go eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> I'm serious. No, everybody's vegan now. And all the fucking food with these vegans I watch, I mean, I have vegan, I have vegan cheesecake. Yeah, go read the thing. I bet you can't pronounce ten of the fucking 50 ingredients in the, in the cheesecake. You know, mine, I can look at it. Oh, it's got cream. It's got fat. It's got butter, you know? Eggs. You know, I can, I can say what's in mine. Can you can you pronounce what the fuck's in your food? I know I can. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, it's the truth. I get tired of it. It ain't fucking holier than now. That goddamn holier than now attitude. You know? Oh, I worked out today. Look at me. Am I Hispanic? Motherfucker, when I work out, my, I don't, first of all, I don't have any makeup on. My hair looks like shit. I'm in raggedy ass clothes. I don't go to the gym and, I mean, look at these people. I just worked out today. You're not sweaty. Your makeup's not fucking wrong. Your hair's fucking per- Who the fuck are you? Bitch, you just walked in the gym and did a selfie. That's what you did. Shut the fuck up. You worked my last fat nerve. Fuck you, you fucking fuck big fucker. No, oh my gosh. No, no, no. Oh, I don't sugarcoat. I don't sugarcoat. People say to me, oh, you never made it to the big leagues. No, I turned it down. You want to know why? I was, I, back in the day, when you had a tryout with them, you were referred by people. I was referred by Luna Vashon and Sherry Martel. They referred me. They said, we saw this girl work on the Indies. We worked with her down south. We worked her with Dick Kerkhoff. We worked her over here. They're like, we, we. Bring her in. She's a great fucking heel. And she's got balls. Her balls are on her chest, like she says. I'm like, yeah, most people carry the balls to their legs. Mine are 44 triple D. And they're all <laughs> I ain't got no fucking silicone. Ain't nothing fake on this fucking thing, but maybe my roots, you know? That's about it. You know? My hair color. Maybe that's about it. It's the flare blonde. But that's about it. But, you know, that's what you... You, you were word of mouth. You were referred because back then, people's word was... It was integrity. There's no integrity now. Everybody wants to get all their shit in. Oh, I got to get my 50 spots in. I just sit down looking at them and go, okay. No, I go out there. I just fucking clothesline them, leg drop them, roll them up. And I go, one, two, three. And they look at me and they go, why'd you do that? I go, because I fucking can. You can't fucking wrestle. You're going to tell me. You're going to give me a hurricane. You're going to give me this. You're going to give me that. Motherfucker, you can't even lift your wrestling bag and you want to give me a body slam? Fuck you. Lift my left over and make the right one jealous. Come on. These people, I can do this and I can do that. Hey, you know what the fuck I can do? I can make you look good or I can make you look bad. You want to know why? Because I learned how to fucking wrestle. And then I love, I love those wrestlers that do all that. Oh, I do technology and I do this and I do that. Yeah, then when, when somebody says, I'm going to shoot on them, they go, anyway, can you come to the show with me? So-and-so wants to shoot on me. Aren't you like the definition of, techni- you know, te- 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 of technicians or some bullshit? Aren't you like a hundred hold master or something? Well, yeah, well, use your fucking holds. They're legitimate shoot holds. Oh, wait, you pretend right, so I'm sorry. I fuck people up for a living. You're just a fuck up for a living. Big difference. Yeah, that, that is one. That is kind of one of the funny things. It's like, I mean, not even mentioning like specific wrestlers, but the ones that are the ones that try to play the the technical shoot characters. But if they actually went against anybody with MMA experience, they would get their asses beat. Like, First of all, if they went against anybody with a set of balls, they would piss themselves like a puppy on a bee bat. Okay, uh, listen, I'm in the locker room. <laughs> this is when you know you're getting old, and you. Seriously, have to consider not doing this anymore. Because you want to kill motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. You want to kill people in the locker room. I'm sitting there, 
WH2O, not you. I love Matt Tremont. He came into the business. He did a backyard show. I said, do you want to learn how to really wrestle? Come with me. Work with me for a while. I'm not saying I can teach you everything, but I will give you a strong foundation like I was given. And then whatever you choose to do with that foundation, it's fucking on you, not me. He came, got his foundation. He decided he wanted to do the backyard CZW shit. All right, God bless. It's not for everybody. It's an acquired taste. Okay, whatever. So he's now promoting all-girl shows, which I think is fantastic. Um, so he has an all-girl show. So one of the girls, and I don't give a fuck, I'll just say it, Tara Calloway, the one with the big dinosaur on her head, nice girl in reality, really nice girl, usually respectful, but when she gets in her fucking mood, she gets to be a little bit of a con. But lately she's really calmed down because she's gotten more confident in herself and in life, which is fabulous. So anyway, she's there and she's talking to these other girls and she brings camera people in, she got permission and all. Well, the camera people are fucking standing in my bag hovering over my shit, and I can't get dressed. Then they take an unframed piece of mirror, which is rigid on the edges, and they stick it, and they fold it, they turn it sideways, and put it on my leather fucking biker jacket. Now, you have to understand, I'm pretty easy going. I really am. I'm a dick in the ring, but I'm really one of the nicest people on the earth. I get my, listen, I went into my retirement IRA to fucking give my dog chemo to try and save his fucking life, okay? That's the kind of hairpin I am. And I see this and I say to myself, you gotta be fucking kidding me. All I wanted to do was take her head, the fucking film, the the camera person's head, and the girl she was interviewing, and smashed her head in the fucking mirror. And say, wake the fuck up, you got glass on, a rigid head glass on my fucking leather jacket, you fucking cunt faces. But, thank God for lithium. Because I stepped back, popped my happy pill, and I just looked at him and I said, you have your fucking mirror on my fucking jacket. Fucking move it. The older Amy, I'd have just took their head and put it through the mirror. The oh, older sh- Amy politely told them her way. Move the fucking thing. So they move it and they're like, oh, my bad. I looked at the camera girl and I shoved her and I said, want to get your fucking foot out of my bag, you stupid fuck? I don't know if you have dog shit on or not, but I got to wrestle tonight and you're standing on my gear. She looks at me and she goes, ow. I did that. I go, well, fuck it, Tooth Fairy didn't do it. And everybody looked at you, and they think you're a dick. And I sit there, and I try and be nice to people, and I'm listening to them all talk about their careers. Like the fucking Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and Dusty Rhodes with a touch of Terry and Dory Funk. And I'm looking at them all, and I'm like, you're fucking shitting me, right? You're you're kidding me because you made 50 bucks instead of 20 bucks? You're hot shit now? You're fucking shit. I was like, I can't. So I just sat there and all. So I wound up wrestling Stockade that night. Stockade said, well, we'll do whatever you want to do. I said, well, I'll tell you what, since you're being gracious enough to put me over, I'll let you call the match. I don't have no problem. I'll do whatever you want me to do. We'll have fun. You'll look like a million dollars. I'll look like a million dollars. We'll call it a day. He's like, okay. So we go in there. We play balls at all. Well, no offense. When it's a hardcore match, aren't you supposed to hit hard? Well, I'm laying on the fuck in, and he's like, I never got hit so hard. Dude, it's a hardcore match. We're not supposed to knit fucking sweaters. Like, I just don't understand this shit. So I go back in the locker room, and Faye Jackson looks at me, and she's like, you're the woman. I go, you're fucking right I am, because it was fucking people like me that built this fucking business up for fuckers like you to do customs and to fucking wrestle on fucking shows like this. And everybody looks at me like, I got four fucking heads. And I'm like, you motherfuckers were trained by indie fucking people. You had no fucking clue. And they were, probably weren't even reputable indie fucking people. I just, that's what I knew. I knew 
the business surpassed me. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I, I did. That night I left there, I looked at my husband after I fed my, my fat ass at the local diner. And I looked at him and I went, I'm done. He's like, really? I go, I got one more fucking match. I said, and it's on my bucket list, and it's with Low Life Louie. Once I get that match, I'm fucking done. He was like, really? I go, or I'm going to kill a motherfucker. He goes, yep, we don't need that. So, yep, I had my Low Life Louie match, and I just was like, I'm done. I did what I wanted to do in the business. I can honestly say, I manage people like Eddie Gilbert. Iconic, great psychology mind. That's where I learned ring psychology. Okay? Eddie yeah. Gilbert said to me, you can't come out to the ring being a sick girl wearing cute outfits and stuff like that. It's not believable. Hmm. So, I go home. I talk to Bam Bam Bigelow, and he goes, hey, he's absolutely correct. I'm like, it's fucking Eddie Gilbert. Whatever he says is pretty much correct. Just don't take drugs from him. So, <laughs> he, says, he says to me, I got one for you. Why don't you be like me? And all of a sudden I go, I am not coming out in a flame fucking jumpsuit, motherfucker. <laughs> I, said, I said, my gristle will whistle. And it'll look like the towering inferno. Well, but I have to admit, Scotty laughed. God rest his soul. He laughed and he goes, oh, biker. Like, you could be a biker chick. So I'm like, well, I don't know nothing about that. Because really, honestly, that ring character is one eating who I really am. I'm a clothing whore. I got ten closets in my house full of fucking clothes. I have so many shoes. I'm a clothing whore. I'm a jewelry whore. I'm serious. I go to the office every day. I'm in a suit or a skirt. I wear pearls. I wear bling. I'm serious. I'm, I'm like, you think I'm... Listen, I was a Jersey housewife before they even had the Jersey housewife fucking TV show. <laughs> I did, you know, I fucking, that's how I dress. Except that my clothes complement the body. Don't make it look like it throws off. So anyway, so I do the biker thing. Scotty gives me the patches. He starts helping me out, build the thing, and he's teaching me terminology and different things like that. He said, because, you know, bikers will call you out on it because they can smell bullshit. So, like, I had a broken wing on my right hand because I had broke my hand, and the guy said to me, why well, you got that broken wing? And I said, why the fuck are you questioning me? He goes, well, I have a right to question you. I'm a captain of so-and-so and so-and-so. And I said, yeah, well, you don't have a fucking right. To I said, because I don't fucking ride with you, and I ain't your old lady. I said, but since you're a nosy motherfucker, I said, I wore this because I broke my hand in the fucking ring. Before you fucking judge me, motherfucker, I know that you're supposed to wear the broken wings when you get a motorcycle accident. Well, that fucking match that I had was a pure cluster fucking. It was a big accident, and I broke my fucking hand. Are you happy with that? And the guy just looked at me and went, I'm going to buy you a drink, mama. And I go, make it a double jack, motherfucker, because singles are for pussy. <laughs> and under my breath, I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to die. <laughs> it was all work. That whole gimmick, that whole persona was all work. It really was. Oh. It was all work. But, I mean, I was fortunate in business because I got to work with Jerry Lawler and I got to work with Dutch Mantel and I got to work with um, Eddie Gilbert. I got to manage Eddie Gilbert, so I learned a lot about ring psychology and timing and things like that. I worked with Dustin Rose and Kendall Wyndham before he went to jail for, for fraud and, and um, just d different guys. Already. I got to manage um, Kamala where, you know, I learned more about less is more, you know, being being his, his kimchi and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, just travel on the roads with, you know, working with, um, you know, uh, Jim the Anvil Nyhart, one, one of my best and dearest friends in the entire universe, you know, taught me so much, you know, on the road trips and different things like that and making sure you get your money up front, so much money up front for your tours and different things like that. So I learned a lot from the people that I was around because you know why? I took the advice of my trainer. You keep your eyes and ears open and your mouth and legs shut. You know, and he's like, you will learn more by just listening than by speaking. You don't have a, I was taught, it's almost like that saying, children should be seen and not heard. Well, this is more like green beans should 
not even be seen, they should just be there and not speak. And that's what I did. And I carried people's bags and I worked the ring crew. When I worked down at USWA, Jerry Law would be like, Emily, go help with the ring crew. Now go help with the popcorn. But I wasn't all, my hair and makeup wasn't all done. It was like semi done. It was just under baseball cap. So then when I was done everything, I had to take like a fucking baby wife's bath and then get ready for the show. That's another thing. Like, I was taught when you go to a show, like if I'm booked at a WSU or WEW or something, your hair and makeup should already be ready. When you walk in the building, you should look like your fucking promo pictures. Don't don't charge somebody $20 for this airbrush fucking photo and you look like fucking uh, Quasimodo in real life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever yeah. see them girls, they walk in and they have no makeup done and their hair's not done and they're standing there selling pictures and I'm like... You fucking look like that photo. Why are you charging for the photo? Twenty dollars. Well, bitch, put some lip gloss on that if you're asking for twenty dollars. <laughs> you know, they think because they got a tiny ears. And I look at them, I go, listen, my shit jiggles because I'm big. I'm a big bitch, but your shit jiggles because you're just fucking sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> there was there, there was a no. There was a couple of things that you mentioned that I actually kind of um before I forget about this. So. I remember, I, I believe it was during a Chikara, like, King of Trio show one year where, uh, where Joey Styles was doing commentary, and um, and I th- the, the story that I heard about this was, first off, Styles had no clue about the company. Like, he, he was just like, who, who are these guys? But, like, when they were setting up for the show, he was one of the people that actually, like, that, that helped with the ring crew stuff, and then somebody was like, why are you doing this stuff? And it was like, well, it's because I'm trying to help out. Uh, you know, just kind of having that, like, I, I guess people at a certain point in time think like, oh, you shouldn't have to do these things. But he was just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this place. But that was part one of that. But the, the other one was, um, Scott Hall during an interview, I think when he was talking about like when he was training his, uh, his, his son, he said the big, like one of the pieces of advice that he could give to him was to watch the older matches mm-hmm. because he was like, because the stuff nowadays, it's so, it's so, like, you know, out of people's thoughts that it's kind of brand new again. If, if you were to give advice to anybody that's trying to get in now, what would you tell them? I would tell them, you can have one or two kind of matches. You can have, and I always compare to food because I love food. I'm on that seafood diet, I see food, I eat it. There's two (laughs) kind of matches in professional wrestling. There is the buffet, where at the buffet, everything looks wonderful, and it's so overwhelming, and you want to try it all. So you pile it all onto your plate. And then after you're eating, after you're done eating that plate of food, describe it. I guarantee you, you're lucky if they could start, describe one or two things that was on that plate, because they just pile all the shit on top of each other, and it just blends in, and, and nothing sets out, and nothing's distinct or unique or anything. I'm a sit-down kind of motherfucker. I want my steak, my baked potatoes, my salad, my appetizer, my dessert, my double shot of Jack, my blue wine, and they're just to, to kill, kill the guilt. I'll take a fucking ice water with lemon because I'm a bad motherfucker. And then I can sit there and I can tell you what the cake tastes like, the dessert, the steak, and everything, and I can describe it to you. If you look at my matches, if I do look at five fucking moves, that's a lot. But you can turn around and you can remember my facials. You can always remember my promos. You can remember my ring psychology, and you can remember um, the match. You can describe my match. You may not describe every bit of it, but you can describe a good portion of it. Why? Because you digested it. You just didn't shove it all down my... I didn't just spoon feed it all down your throat at one big thing, and you're like, okay, what the fuck did I just eat? 
You should, you know, you just saw a match. And that's what I try and tell people. You want to be the sit-down dinner where you, you, you want to, I said to them, you want to give them a taste of what you can do, but you don't want to give it all right then and there. You want them to become addicted to you. So what you do is, so what I do is, for instance, for me, I don't always cut a promo. Promoters beg me to cut promos, but I'll say to them, there's a time and a place to cut a promo. A promo. I'm not going to cut it every single time because then it's like basically like a loaf of bread. It eventually gets stale, and nobody likes stale bread. So what I do is I pick the moments and stuff like that. If the crowd needs to be warmed up, then I'll go out there even before a match, and I'll warm the crowd up with a promo because, you know, nine times out of ten, your, your curtain jerkers do they want to do 15,000 spots and people just sit on their hands and go, what the fuck did I just witness here? You know, uh, <laughs> let's get a coat hanger and call it an abortion and yank this shit, you know? <laughs> so basically what I do is, I, you know, and, and that's why I try and tell people, like, you want them to become addicted. You don't want to be hanging out there with the fans. You know, what you want to do is you basically want to, you want to stay away from the fans. You want the fans to crave you and want to touch you and talk to you and buy your merchandise. If you're out there bullshitting with them every show and every intermission and shit like that, then they're not, they're going to think you become their friend and they're not going to buy your shit. You have to put yourself at that celebrity status. When I go to a show, I'm dressed nice. Whether I got a pair of jeans on and a nice pair of boots and a nice top or, or whatever the fuck it is, or a nice sweatsuit or something. But I'm only, I always dress nice. I got my bling on, hair and makeup done, sometimes a baseball cap, sometimes a do-rag, whatever. But I always segregate myself from the rest of the locker room in the sense of my appearance as well as the crowd. I don't want to blend in. You're not paying $25 to see me look like Joe shit the rag man. You're paying me, you're paying $25 to see me be a big mouth vulgar bitch in spandex and leather. That's what you want to see. And that's what I try and tell people. You want to segregate yourself from the rest of the locker room. Not meaning you're better than everyone, but you want to go on a celebrity status. So you don't want to look like everyone else. You don't you don't want to dress like everyone else. You don't want to talk like everyone else. You don't want to wrestle like everyone else. You want to be unique and different. And that's why I lasted for 30 years. Because think about it, how many of the females on the indie scene wrestled like me, talked like me, dressed like me, did my facials or anything. I'm different. I'm so fucking different. I'm like that fucking rare Chinese ring ride disease you get when you come back from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's honest truth. And that's what I try and tell people. You don't want to be like everyone. You want to be different. I give Tara Calloway a lot of credit with the dinosaur hat, but I tell her, you're too much of a pussy in the ring. you got to be nastier in the ring. Like, Awesome Kong was doing really, really good, and then she had some personal shit happen, and then... All of a sudden, she just lost that fire in the belly, and she basically was doing it for a paycheck. And I told her, I said, Kia, if you're not having fun no more, don't do this, because you're going to hurt yourself, and you're going to hurt somebody else. And that's not fair to them. That's not fair to the promoter. Most importantly, it's not fair to the fans. Because some of them motherfuckers wrap change and go over to the piggy banks at the supermarket, cash in their change so they can come to wrestling. So you got to be fair, you know? So she took a break for a while, and I understand she's back on the indie scenes again. But... You know, yeah. you got to be doing this for the right reason. You know, you got to do it because you love wrestling. Not, oh, wow, this is really cool. I want to do this. I'm going to make a ton of money. They're going to make a doll of me. And I'm going to make posters of me. And I'm going to be a billionaire. Yeah, wake up. This ain't Fantasy Island. And my name ain't fucking Tattoo. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, I did it because I genuinely love wrestling. You know why? Because it's 
in the spotlight. It's ugly people in the spotlight. It's fucked up people in the spotlight. They take a weakness and they turn it into a positive. And that's pretty much what I did. I took all my handicaps against me and I turned it into a positive and I made money at it and it paid for my education. These kids don't get that these days. They just want fortune, fame, and glory, and they'll do anything to do it. And they think because they have 5,000 followers on Instagram, they're a success. No, fucktard. What happens is fancy, oh, well, this person, oh, well, they're friends with so-and-so, and so I'm going to be friends with so-and-so. You know what I mean? Um, one, one of the things you're one of the things that you're mentioning about like when when you're at the shows and how you kind of have to separate yourself from people mm-hmm. to you know because that creates more interest and yeah. like you said it's not like as casual or like hey what's going on we're friends like no we're not friends but like the um like Dave's Dave's more of the indie guy I mean like I watch indies too but he's the one who's really been right. getting into it lately but I, I you know so but one of the examples that, that just came to mind was like so, in NXT, um, how Tommaso Ciampa just had his, like, neck surgery or whatever, and, like, he was playing, he was playing his character, like, even on social media, he was still just being a complete dickbag, and, like, and... Same character. Yeah, and, and, and after his surgery, and when they started showing photos of him and his family and his kids and just how loving he is, I said, you guys just fucking killed it, you know? Exactly. Like, I mean, that's great to see that he's doing well, but you just killed his character. I cannot look at him the same way now. Yeah. It's like ripping the mask off the Lone Ranger or Spider-Man swinging through through, through the fucking, you know, city with no mask on, you know, just a bodysuit. Yeah. Really. I, yeah, because you know why? Everybody wants to have that, ooh, I got the scoop on this, or ooh, look what I exposed. Everybody wants to one-up everybody. I don't want to one-up everybody. I just want to be me, myself, and I. I, I, I don't I don't need a belt. I, I, I can tell you I can count on three fingers how many times I had a championship belt in my, my 30 years. I think it was like every 10 years somebody threw a belt on me if I was lucky. But I didn't want those belts because, honestly, it's a horrible thing to say, but you have to commit yourself to that promotion because they're like, all right, you're my champion. The way I was raised in the business by Murdoch was, the promoter is using you to put, build up his promotion, so they're putting the belt on you. That means you have to be at every show. That means you have to do this, you have to do that. Well, no offense, these are the indie scenes, and yeah, if I take a booking from you and then you fucking cancel on me, you douche, and you throw a belt on me, then, then I can't go somewhere else, and then you cancel the show or postpone the show, then I just lost making money over here, you know what I'm saying? Like, fat yeah. people's clothes aren't cheap. Like, what the fuck, you know? So... I never wanted the belt because I, I didn't need it. To me, that was like a crush. Like all these people, oh, I have three belts at a time. I have four belts at a time. I have four. That's tree fucking Mendes because you know what? You're not giving anybody any credibility. Think of the psychology on this since you guys are big on psychology. If five indie promotions put their belt on the same person, awesome. what nice. makes each of those promotions better than the other? The belt collector. The belt collector. <laughs> it's out. It's, yeah. it's all the same. Yeah. Well, that's well. That's why that's that's why when you look at some of the older uh, the older like names like um, how, how many like how, how many people knew Roddy Piper for all the belts he held? He didn't really totally. need one. No, <laughs> yeah, the only title he had was the IC title that I know of in WWE. Yeah, but in general, like even like yeah. outside of WWE, people wanted to see Roddy Piper. They didn't care if he was a champion or yeah. not. <laughs> exactly, they don't care if he win, lose, or draw. They just want to see him because he was entertaining. You know, 
Whether you loved him or you hate him, he entertained you. That's a, that's a valid point there. That's what I try to say to people. Oh, I got five belts. Five, oh, good for fucking you. I guess that makes your fucking dick hard or your, your nipples hard. <laughs> God bless you, because you know I don't need that shit. That, that, that's not what gets me to fuck off. I don't need five fucking belts. That just means I got to deal with five fucking promoters that are going to fucking dictate to me five different ways how to do shit. And I'm, I'm too ornery for that shit. Honestly, I've always been too ornery. I don't like the word no. Like, when a promoter says to me no, I'm looking at them. They'll say to me, Amy Lee, you can't curse tonight. I look at them, I go, hey, you fucking booked me on this show and told me to go primetime Amy Lee. Primetime Amy Lee actually came into the scene at WEW. I wrestled as Amy Lee from 89 to about 2000. But primetime Amy Lee was fucking noticed when WEW took the fucking harness off my mouth and put a mic in my hand. And then I, that's when I really blossomed was in 2000. So um, you booked primetime Amy Lee. You didn't book Amy Lee. So you booked primetime Amy Lee, you're getting a fucking primetime entertainment. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to say fuck you. I'm going to say lick my leftover. And, and, and I've had people say, I would never book you on my family show. You know what I said to them? First of all, you couldn't afford me. Number two, I don't want to work your family show because if I wanted to work your show, if I wanted to work it bad enough, I guarantee I could negotiate something where I could fucking be on there. Because, see, I come from the old school where you, 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 you got paid by the asses in the seat. You know, not this, this flat rate bullshit. You always got paid by asses in the seat. And I can tell you right now, my low-life Louie match, I had 30-some people alone in that arena wearing my primetime Amy Lee t-shirt. A minimum of 30 people were wearing my fucking t-shirt that night. A minimum. On an indie show, that's not bad when you're a fat old broad and you're, you're not a social media whore and stuff like that. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. You know? That's not bad. I never see you out there. I can honestly say 50 people were wearing were wearing my fucking primetime Amy Lee t-shirt that night. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's right. Fat girls rule, motherfuckers, and calories <laughs> don't count. There we go, there we go. Um, okay, um, I, I, I want to know about a question. Okay. okay. Some promoters out there, they put their best friends as referees. And you're doing spot after spot, and if the referee's not into, like, knowing what to do in the ring, and... The, there's an injury come by. Why are they putting people out there that don't know how to um, referees protect, should have protect more others? Yes. Because well, people nowadays hire referees that are willing to work for. The biggest problem in the indie scenes, when I say a change from 180 wrestling, they're hiring they're letting people come on that aren't trained to work for free because they don't have to pay them. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, they put their friends on there that are referees because their, refer- their friends aren't going to charge them and their friends are going to tell friends to come see them because their egos are as big as my ass. So there's that right there. A referee is used as a liaison. If I'm down on the ground and I'm selling and I hear the crowd into it, I can talk, and this is another art, I can talk through my teeth and say to the referee, tell them to do it again, do it again. And I can talk to them without people seeing me talk to them mm-hmm. and, and say to them, do it again, do it again, do it again. Now now pick me up on my hair and just nail me and I'll sell it. And the crowd goes, that shit. Mm-hmm. That's, what you, that's what a referee's for. Or if you're hurt and you say to the referee, I broke my shoulder, they can fucking go over to the other person and then we'll say, all right, you got to take it home. No, do it this way. Throw me into the post so it makes it look like you broke my shoulder. Then let's take it home. Let's let's tell a story how I broke my shoulder. Just don't take it the fuck home. Let's tell a fucking story. 
okay? That's what a referee does. A referee keeps an eye on things, and he keeps an eye on your time because your time keeps you basically should be, you know, holding their hand up to five when you got, like, five minutes left in a match, two minutes left, one minute. They don't do all that. Like I said, it changed from 180 because I remember when the timekeepers would say, 10 minutes into the match, 10 minutes, that, you know, and you had a 15-minute match, it's like pretty much start wrapping it the fuck up to take it home, you know? Yeah. They don't do that anymore because you have to pay pe- When people have a skill or a talent, you have to pay them for it. If they don't know shit, you can feed them shit. See what I'm saying? Yeah. If you go to an indie show and you say, man, the referees are horrible. Well, you, didn't pay, you didn't pay them for them. Right? You get what you pay for. If they're free, they're probably the shits. Nine times out of ten, they're the shits. People, people undercut. People, listen, back in the day when you went to Japan, it was a great honor. It's a great honor when any promoter flies you to their show and pays for your travel, meaning your hotel, your airfare. Sometimes they'll pick up a bar tab. Well, my bar tabs and my meal tabs are pretty big. But, you know, I try, I try and use my manners, you know, not be a greedy gretter or not. But, you know, they'll fly you in the night before, depending on the flights, or they'll fly you in the morning of, and, and, and then they have a hotel room for you. You know, sometimes you share it with the girl you're wrestling. Sometimes you have it by yourself. Depends on their budget. But that's a compliment because they're willing to spend money to, to make money, okay? Where these people nowadays, they're driving 15 hours to a show. They're balls-ass tired. They're hungry. They're fatigued from sitting in the car. And now you want to go want them to go out there and give you a five-star fucking match and rock the roof off the place. And you can't even give them a fucking $69 fucking... Uh, Red Roof Inn uh, hotel room. That's wrong. It's fucking wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. And people fly themselves over to Japan or over to the UK. Hey, I'll be in the UK. What are you over in the UK for? Who are you working for? Oh, no, I'm just going to fly myself over there and hope somebody books me. So you're going to fly the fuck over to the United Kingdom at fucking 1200 fucking dollars round trip, not unless you're doing ghetto flight, and that's $840 with three stops just so you can get an opportunity over there, but you don't have nowhere to live or anything... I, I, I just shake my head at this shit. There's no integrity anymore. There's no honor. There's no integrity. Everybody everybody cuts one another out. Oh, he charges you 200 I'll do it for 50 bucks. How many of them stories have you heard over the years? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, I mean... I remember um, one of the things I was actually talking, <laughs> talking to Dave about was... or um, it, it was something along the lines of like... Yeah, I guess I guess what you were just mentioning there, how there's there's a lot of people that'll, it's like they're they're doing so much work and they're not really making a making a living off of it. Like I had I had I had, I had, I had a friend of mine before who, he he used to uh, talk to a lot of indie guys or whatever, and um, and and I learned from him. I said, dude, you you know that he's trying to be this guy's trying to be really cool with you because. He needs this. He needs a place to stay when yeah. he's in town that night because he can't fucking afford it a hotel room. Like, right? And and it's and and you know, I mean, obviously not everybody's like that, but when you kind of get in that mindset after so long, and it doesn't really, it's not a big deal, you know. And that's uh, why a lot of a lot of uh, people look at the independent scene in a certain way because it's like, well, these people, it's like, yeah, but look at who. Look at the look at the companies that they're working for and how much they're getting paid for this stuff. I mean, when these right. are the options that are out there, you got to do what you have to do sometimes. Right, right. Now it goes back to the 
old corny ways, you know, the old good doctors sell you a bottle of medicine and really it's just a bunch of herbs and water that don't mean shit, you know. That's pretty much what they do. No, they do it all the time. They do it so you drive them around. They call, you know what we used to call them back in the day? Piss bucket boys. You pretty much, you carried the bags, you paid for the meals, you drove them around. Also, you can go in the office on Monday or into your job on Monday and brag and say, so-and-so is my friend. Yet, you lose your job, that fucking friend of yours, he ain't gonna give you two dollars to wipe your ass with. Truth. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. I think there was um, like before before we were, <laughs> before we meet, we made the phone call. Um, Dave was talking about that he he wanted to do some. What did you want to do? You wanted to do some name drops, and I was like, I'm not really a huge fan of those. But after this conversation so, so far, I think that we need to get something like. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> We're gonna have to go on a witness protection program. Like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck them, you know. I earned the right. Goddamn it. <laughs> I, Unlike most motherfuckers in this business. <laughs> oh gosh. No, before we do that, I wanted because like when Silver King passed away. I, I always watch, when I watch matches, I watch to see what the referee's doing, too. Because that's okay. how I study to watch you guys and see what you guys do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the, if the referee sucks what he does, because I remember watching, um, I went up there to watch Tremont's um, Kids Learn and paid $5, and the referee didn't know what he was doing. People okay. were up on the thing, I was like, come on, start counting, one, two, they're up in the air, come on, do something, and he didn't do anything. But the kid's learning to be a wrestler, but he's not learning to be a referee. So I noticed, like, he didn't know what he was doing. And and the match just, like, ah, you know what I mean? I want, I want something going on, but... I... Well, well, every every person in a match, like, plays a very important part, so... Yeah, absolutely. I, I, always, I always wanted to see what the referee does, too, you know what I mean? Because when you get a good referee, you know you're going to have hell matches. And I like when the referee gets into the match and... So here's here's how it works in a match, okay? Yeah. You have your you have your ring announcer. Your ring announcer sells the match that's coming up. Correct. So if the ring announcer stands there and goes, "Coming to the ring is primetime emulate," okay, boring. Crowd's not pumped. <laughs> but if they go, "Coming to the ring, the biggest, baddest, foul mouth bitch in America," people are like, "Oh yeah," you know what I'm saying? Or your your ears perk up. So then you have that. Then you have the referee who's the li- liaison. They're, they're supposed to be seen but not heard, and they're the go-between the two wrestlers. Then you have the baby face. The baby face is the one that makes everybody happy and feel good and a hallmark fucking moment. Then you have the heel, which is me. We basically set the pace of the match. We uh, lead the match, and we basically set it up so the fucking baby face makes a ton of fucking money on gimmicks, but yet we make a ton of fucking money wrestling because we know he ain't going to make it on gimmicks. And that's pretty much how a match should go, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, if the heel goes over to babyface, that's because they're working what they call an angle, or they're bring, they're going to build it up to, to a better, a, a, a more uh, unique, bigger, better match, okay? Yes. That's pretty much what those... Now, then you have a manager. I never understood why baby faces have a manager because they really, unless they can't talk, and and then they're the talker on behalf of them. A heel manager basically will cheat for the heel. When the heel's getting their ass kicked and the baby face is looking like the big Superman hero, that's when the manager comes in and starts fucking with them, and it gets the crowd all pissed off. You know, we're the ones that change emotion. Heels, heels set the pace. We set the tone. We 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 we're pretty much responsible for that match in the sense 
happy with the match, then it comes back on the baby face. I mean the heel. Because even though the baby face is part of the match, it, the heel setting the tone, the pace, and everything else. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, and that's something people don't teach. They don't teach what all the different parts and the aspects of a match is. If you have a manager, then you just don't bring them out there to stand there and look fucking good in a suit, okay, or in a come fuck me dress. Have a purpose for them. If they're coming out with a heel, then use the he- have the heel flirt with her, this, that, and the other, or use the girl to flirt with the baby face. We've seen it so many times with Missy Hyatt and with Sonny and different ones. That's what their purpose is, you know? They're eye candy, and they, they try and fuck the baby face over. But people people don't do that anymore. Again, that's because people don't learn about wrestling. They forget. They think wrestling doesn't exist before 2000 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's uh, like one word. Just say one word about um. Um. If, if you feel the need to say more than one word with some yeah, people, yeah. it's, oh my God. it's okay. Asking me to say one word is like asking me to pass by a bakery and not buy a double cream donut. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, one, one, one sentence. One long sentence. One long sentence. Let's <laughs> oh do that. Okay, that would we'll be good. That would be good. We'll do the best. Okay, let's go. Let's go with the young kid, Matt Tremont. Try. Okay. Uh, Jim Nightheart. Hero. Um. Hmm. Nicole Bass. Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that one. Um, Jazz. Badass. Jacqueline. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, I'm sorry. You're thinking, okay. Yeah, um, let's go with um, DCW Arena. Historical. Since we don't have the um, goddamn internet, I lost everything, so it's oh, fun. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow. A giver. Sherry. Iconic. Luna. Sister. Oh my gosh. Oh. You're smiling over there. <laughs> Vince McMahon. Ooh. Benedict Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Heyman. Thief. I I have to agree with that one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got a story after that one. (laughs) Oh, I got a couple too. (laughs) (laughs) You know Brian Sosha? Yes. Okay, he's a good friend of mine. So um, I like Brian very, very much. Matter of fact, wasn't he part of um, the Well Hung Warriors? Yes. I managed them for Bay Ragney's law promotion. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, let's go with Bay. Chubby Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't we love him? He's so great. I do. I love him. Oh, gosh. I um I went to LAW and I gave him some um, cookies because that was his gimmick he was doing on, t- on his um, Facebook, so... Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. His whole family are just great people. They are. They are really, really great. It people. was his wife that got me the opportunity with Women's Extreme Wrestling. She knew Dan Caldwell, and she turned around and called me up on a Tuesday and said, "Hey, show up Thursday, seven o'clock, down at Froggy's in in Dover, Delaware. They need an Ultimate Heel. I put your name in with WEW. Now, here's your thing." At the time, I'm working for this prestigious law firm, and I have a deadline due on Friday. Most people are going to stay 
Tuesday, well, this was 11 o'clock at night on Tuesday, she called me. Most people are going to stay late Wednesday, Thursday for Friday's deadline. I stayed late Wednesday. I fucking left early Thursday. <laughs> I went to Froggy's, and the rest is history with WEW. Okay. Um, this would be good to, um, to help out some friends. George Pallarino. Uh, he was strong. Strong. Strong, strong and crazy. What about his wife, Mel? She was odd. She was <laughs> odd, but she was a diehard fan. Yeah. 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 Mel uh, was good. I, I was there near the last days of Mo passing away. It was kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just always ask the wrestlers, do they sleep in their underwear or naked? And I'll be like, you dirty old lady, you. That's so gross. <laughs> she told me some stories, you know what I mean? And yeah. She she was kind of fun. Um, it was stories. What about... What, what about I, 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 got, I got a question. Um, worst injuries you ever had? Uh, for me, I would say when I broke my hand. Okay. Um... My one of my favorite questions. Okay, I always use this word instead of using shit. You ever soil yourself or vomit in a match? Oh my god! No, but my tip popped out. Oh, oh. damn! <laughs> oh, but at least it was against Angel Amoroso for Dino Santa back in the nineties, and we were wrestling, and um, it was before my my biker gimmick, and we both just had spandex on, and we were wrestling, and I threw an Everlast shirt on on top because he made us wear he like, well he didn't make us he asked us to wear push up bras because it was like going to be like a cat fight and I'm like oh my god and we go to wrestle and my tip popped out and she's yelling your tit your tit and I just popped it right back in and kept going but at least you didn't shit yourself <laughs> no I never shit or puke and that's it here's, here's a story Murdoch used to say to me don't eat anything after 2 o'clock and I'm like why would we eat anything after 2 o'clock he goes, because when you get in the ring, if that food didn't agree with you and may take some time, you're going to shit yourself. And I witnessed a guy that was 550 pounds. He did an ass drop on somebody. And prior to that, about two and a half hours prior to that match, he went to the Waffle House and got everything on the hash browns. And it went right through him because it had chili on it. And when he did an ass wash on the guy, he shit on the guy's chest. Like he had diarrhea. When he got up, it looked like mud on the guy. He shit on that guy. I fell off the, I fell off the ring apron. I was laughing so hard. I couldn't do nothing. I was just laughing. I laughed so hard. I was crying. It was great. Oh, Never forgot that. It's like take that ass drop and put a little extra stink on it. Uh, you, a little extra ain't take the word for it, brother. There's a miracle grow for it. I think Yokozuna did that to Bret Hart in a match. And Bret Hart moved so fast. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, or was it Bret Hart or was it Steve? No, Steve Austin. Was he, it Steve he, Austin? No, no, Austin shit his pants. Austin shit his pants. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, no. Um, recently Brian Pillman Jr. Um, at the beginning of the year at a um, pro wrestling magic show, um, he got chopped, and then out of nowhere, everybody noticed that he um, crapped himself, and uh, what a chop! Was it one of the Samoans that chopped him? <laughs> no, damn Matt. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So every single time we ask a question about that, uh, it's always called, have you ever... Uh, Brian Pillman yourself. Did, did you... Did, <laughs> pulling a Pillman. Yeah, pulling so. a Pillman. <laughs> hey, you guys ever sit back and watch the wrestlers that, that made it, made it um, big time, and then they're now like just total fuck-ups? You ever just sit back and go, wow, you're a real fuck-up. Consider, I do it all the time. Considering how... Look uh, at Sonny. Look at Sonny. Yeah. He had the world by the balls. She became a fuck-up. Oh, Jake the Snake, but he's changing himself with DDP. 
Vikings guys. Or my favorite is they work so hard to get on top, and then they do something fucking stupid, and they get fired, and or they lose their spot. I'm like, why do you? Why, why do people do this? I, I just don't understand. You you fucking starve yourself. You live like a fucking homeless person, and then you finally make it to the big leagues, and then you fuck up. You fuck it up. Mar- I don't understand it. Marty Janetti was up there. Oh yeah. I think I think one of the people that's always um like if you listen to older interviews with him was like Barry Horowitz. He was like, Yeah, I, I was in WWE, I was a complete jobber, but guess what? My house is paid off. I'm financially set. So you just gotta yeah. be, you gotta be smart about it. You do because I like I tell people I tell these kids all the time, like a three men will say, Hey, can you come down and talk to them? And I'll tell them, You need a jail, be the P A Y S you know, when I started in the business you could wrestle almost every night a week. Ricky Morton still wrestles Thursday through Sunday. You know, and every once in a while on a Wednesday. He still wrestles, you know, a good, a good four, four to five times a week, his old ass. And I say to him, you can't do that anymore because we don't have the territories to do it. And I, and I also tell them, if you're working for an indie show, okay, in Williamstown, New Jersey, if you're working at Matt Tremont's uh, H2O, why the fuck would you work for another promotion in the same fucking building? Because what I say to people is, Again, you want people to, to, to become addictive to you, and you want them to crave you. So why are they going to buy a ticket at H2O if they... If, if, why are they going to bust their ass to come see an H2O when they can just go to another show and see you? I never yeah. did that. I always... If, if I if I wrestled for PWU, I didn't wrestle for CZW or Chikara. If I wrestled for WEW, I didn't wrestle for any other female promotion. When I worked for WSU, I didn't go to Shimmer. I didn't go to the other female. I worked for one female promotion at a time. And that's what I would do. If I worked for PWU out of out of the old ECW arena, then I didn't work for any other promotion. Except, I would say, to them, and it was towards the end with WEW, but they were more door and door at that time, Earthlink down in Georgia and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I never tried to work for two promotions in the same building. That's just fucked up. Nobody, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I can't make it Saturday, but he's there, like, on uh, next Friday, so I'll just come next Friday instead. You know what I mean? It's like... Why do people do? I just don't understand it. There's Too a promoter that I was talking to. Um, he um, he said um, he's using H2O Center for his um, show, but he's not okay. using any Tremont people. He's using guys from 1CW that's in Delaware. Okay. So he's bringing them up there so people can look at them. And then okay. he's planning on going to Pennsylvania to do the same thing, but with people in Jersey. So It's a way of trying to expand, basically. Yeah, but you know what? They're doing it right. You're not using the same people and the same shows and different things like this. Like, I tried to tell Maria Manic. I said, look, you got a unique look. I like you better as the brunette and the camo and the man-eater tattoo than I did as the blonde Barbie because you look like a schmuck and never did your roots right. <laughs> so I like the look that she has now, and I say to her, don't work for, just work for Matt's promotion in that building. Don't work for other people, you know? Don't work, sh- I always tell people, you can do quality shows or you can do quantity shows. I don't need to work every single fucking show to pay my mortgage because I have a job to fall back on. I work quality shows, shows that I know I don't have to worry about. I'm going to get fucked on my pay or it's going to be postponed. I don't. I, that, that, that's another thing. These guys, they're just like booking whores. Oh, you want to work me? You're going to pay me $25? Okay, I'll work for you for 25 But hey, how come you're only going to pay me 25 when you normally pay me 50 Well, Krakow, if you're going to work for them for 25 why the fuck should I give you 50 Am mm. I right or am I wrong? You're right. Stupid motherfuckers. I'm, my, my new hashtag instead of skull fuck is too much. <laughs> now you know I'm old. Too much. Hashtag too much. <laughs> too much. Too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> 
I love it. After the days, you go to a show, you, you, you work your ass off, you earn your spot, you have a good time. They give you some more dates. If you can't, if you can't work those dates, then you're honest. You don't wait until like fucking two days before the show and say, "Oh, well, this person I was already booked with." No, that's wrong. That's wrong. It, it, to me, that's so wrong. And I don't believe in double bookings in the same day because if that if first come first serve. If that guy booked you first, then you commit to them because that's how. If you get in an accident or something happens at the building or they got to rearrange your, your spot on the on the earlier show. That's how fair to the promoter that, that you know, on a nighttime show. That's I went to, I went to a show. That's just how I was raised in the business. That's just how I was raised. I went to a show and the guys got stuck in Jersey because there was an accident on the, um, on the, um, the bridge and they yep. couldn't get there and they had to change everything up and then just threw the guys in there in a match afterwards. But yeah, I got it. it's horrible. There's just no honor amongst thieves, no integrity, no principles, no morals, no values. I don't ever think there's a soul anymore. These people, it's like all they're worried about is getting their shit in. How many followers on Instagram and Facebook? How many selfies they can put up in a day? And how many story feeds they can do in a week? I got I, I got one more question, actually. Like... N- um, talking about promotions and whatnot was um, what's your opinion on Tommy Dreamer as a promoter? Um, I never worked for him. I've never heard bad things about him personally. I mean, uh, he takes care of his boys from back in the day, from what I understand. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really, I I can't say nothing negative about him. I, I, I've met him a few times. He's always been a gentleman with me. So I don't know. I know some people that have worked for him, and they've had good things. I know some people that were supposed to work for him, but he canceled them because of budget issues. So I don't. I, I really. I. I don't have a right to say, "Hey, you're a dick," because I never worked for him. So I don't. I don't know the full situation. Well, I, I. I just remember like during one of the House of Hardcore shows when, um, if Dreamer has anything that he needs to vent frustrations, he usually has like like the time where PCO bailed out on him. Yeah. And uh-huh. and he really made it be known that he was not happy about that like probably a little too much but um yeah it's just it's just the thing that he was talking yeah, about yeah because then he becomes because he see this is the thing this is what I try and explain to people on the indies you can't take it personal this is a business and people are going to go to the to, to, to the to the most prestige the most press and the most money mm-hmm. so if somebody if you're paying somebody $250 and somebody offers them $400 they're going to go if you offer them 200 somebody offers them 250 they're going to go to the 250 They're going to get the most for the amount, uh, for the, and the and most exposure and the most money that they can get. That That's what they're going to try and do. Uh, again, I said, there's there's really no integrity anymore. You know, like Matt, Matt Tremont booked girls for the last uh, WH2O show, and they're like, oh, well, I have a booking in New York. I have a booking in New York. I have a, well, when the fuck are you going to tell them? Like, you're telling them the week of the show. Or you're telling them, like, yeah. five days before the show, you're taking that booking in New York. That's fucked up. That's unprofessional. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's unprofessional. I, I would be pissed off if somebody did that to me. But, I mean, uh, I didn't give a fuck. Like, I, like, listen, they put us as semi-main event, Louie and I. And mm-hmm. I said, don't put us straight before intermission so my old ass can roll out a ring, the blood can dry off, I can sell my gimmicks, and then go to the diner and just pig out, you know, my last night of wrestling. So Matt puts us a semi-main. So he has he has all the technical matches break. Then he has 
Max, Maxine and um, Stockade. And then he has me and Lily Life Louie. Then I just basically tell the fans I'm done. Then we have an intermission. And then they had the uh, WH2O Women's Championship match. So I was like, okay. But, you know, I said to Louie, you know, we, we really didn't do any wrestling holds because it was, it was a hardcore match and we just beat the shit out of one another with baseball bats and car parts. Like, I just turned around and I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. I just reached out and said, hey, all skull fuckers, all my skull fucker fans out there, bring shit. Bring bob wire. Well, no, I said, bring thumbtacks, bring baseball bats. Some lady was in a car accident and brought her fenders and we used them. We had trash cans. We had baseball bats with, with thumbtacks. We had mousetraps. We had all kinds of shit. We had so much shit we didn't even use at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was supposed to be a 10-minute match. It wound up being a 15-minute match. And then I did a five-minute thank you to the universe uh, uh, farewell speech. And I said to Matt, you know, because when I was getting ready to go out there, Matt says, are you really done tonight? I'm like, Matt, what else is there for me to do? I tagged with Luna. I tagged with Nightheart. I managed Gilbert. I went to Japan. I went to Canada. I went all over the world. It paid for my education. I'm like, enough's enough. I'm going to be 50 in August. I'm done. I'm done. No more for me. No mass. This was the last thing on my bucket list, and I fucking completed it. And I went out the way I wanted to go out. Yeah. And Louie was gracious enough. Louis Louis was gracious enough to put me over my last match. And I said, no, I'll put you over. He goes, nope. You're, last, nope. You're my veteran. You're my senior. I'm putting you over. I was like, we could do it. We could do a double down. I said, we can go Broadway. He goes, nope. Fans will shit on that. I go, yeah, we don't want to shit on the fans. And he's like, nope, you're going over. I said, okay. But you know what? They still pop for Louis. They still pop for me. So it was great. It was a great match. I enjoyed it. So um, for like a match thing, let's say um, the match before you was a hardcore match and your match is a hardcore match. Does that, like, mess up the whole prop of the whole card that everything is the same thing? What's that? Like, having the same kind of match. And no, whole... because you have to be creative in your matches. That's the thing. Okay. You have, you okay, have I'm, to be I'm, creative. Like, yeah. what I did was, this is, this is an old school thing. When you go into a locker room, Okay. Yeah. Your main event, your semi-main event. Nobody should do them any any kind of move or use anything in those matches whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing. They they, they are exclu- what we would call an exclusive match where only they they use this. Like when uh, Tara uh, Tara Calloway and Maria Manic wrestled for the WH two O title. No one else had barbed wire in a match. No one else should. Nobody else had fluorescent light bulb uh, light tubes. It was just them. That was an exclusive thing for their match. The car parts and different things like that, France bring the weapons. Yeah. That was for our match. That was an exclusive. Now, um, Stockade and Maxine, they didn't really have a hardcore match. They had a hard-hitting match, okay. but they didn't have a hardcore match. The other matches were not really hardcore. They were they, they were wrestling, but they, they, they were stiff matches, but they weren't hardcore matches. See what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what Matt did is he opened it up with a technical and he just built it and each match got a little more extreme during the show. Okay. And that's the right way to do it. So you build it up. So, all right, me and Louie, we used car parts, we used trash cans, we used thumbtacks, we used this, we used that and all. But that was great and the crowd loved it. But now here comes the barbed wire wrestling ropes and the fluorescent tubes, you know? Yeah. Man, you, know, you know the fans fucking jerk off over that stuff. But that's what he did. That was the big explosion at the end. So he did it right. Each match got a little more extreme. And even from us, it went to the barbed wire and the, and the fluorescent bulbs and stuff like that. 
So it, it worked out good. It was a good show. It was well planned, good psychology, and the crowd seemed to love it. And that's all that matters at the end of the night. I may think it was a horrible match, but if the fans loved it, that's all that matters. I might think it was a great match. I go back and watch it, and I go, man, that match was sucky. You know? Yeah. It's all a matter of opinion. Okay, actually, um, that's, well, not, not, not on the same sort of uh, subject, but, like, so when fans talk about, like, oh, during, during a show, it's like, oh, this match stole the show. Um, how do workers see that? Like, when, you know, do, do, does somebody say, oh, that was a really good match, or it's like, fuck, I gotta follow that? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, what it is, is and again... This is old school A's. If you ever go back and you look at all your star keys and different things, mm -hmm. like I just explained, each match gets more and more extreme or better and better and better and better. Um, that's how it's supposed to be. Your main event is a main event for a reason. It's supposed to be the creme de la creme of the show, okay? Yeah. So when somebody says, oh, well, this match stole that match, and the main event's like, well, fuck, now i got to work harder. Well, my answer is, your main event. you got to work harder because crowd like that match so much so far then what are you not doing to please the crowd like you you have to listen to the crowd yeah. if you ever watched one of my matches whether it was in the 90s whether it was in the early 2000s or even last month or earlier this month if you go back and you watch i listen to the crowd and when they start dying i'll turn around and i'll talk to the crowd i will work the crowd i will bring them back up I don't want that. I don't want crickets in my match. If I have crickets in my match, then I'm not doing my job. As a heel, you set that pace and tone. A lot of heels don't know. People are like, oh, I want to be heel because I get cheat. That's not what a heel does. The heel is the leader of the match. We, we set it all up. So if that match fails, it comes back on us. If that match is a success, you're fucking right. I'm taking credit for it. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying that my baby face isn't worth anything, but I'm the one that's setting the pace and the tone and everything and, and setting up the storyline and the psychology and everything. But these guys don't understand that. How many times do you watch a match and you don't know who the fucking baby face in the heel is? Quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Or exactly, some, quite or, a bit. Or sometimes when I come when out, I'm... people know. People know I'm the fucking <laughs> heel. You know? People will say something. I had a guy one time, he was on his cell phone. Now, I come out. Now, I never worked in this, this, this promotion before. This is, this is down in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. And this guy turns around, and he's, and he's like, oh, Jenny Craig's on the phone calling you. I said, oh, Jenny. So I grabbed the microphone. I said, you saying Jenny Craig's calling me? He's like, yeah. I go, let me talk to her. He goes, here you go. I go, hello, hello. I go, nah, she's not there. I threw the, mat, the phone down in the middle of the ring, and I stomped on it. And then I kicked <laughs> it out of the ring. The guy went batshit crazy, and he went over to promote it. Perot goes, well, you're the stupid fucking moron. I handed her the phone. Well, I didn't know she was going to do it. He goes, you're fucked at I. He goes, well, you got to do something. He goes, what am I going to do? That's, uh, she's a fucking evil. I'm not going to do nothing. She did her job. She pissed me off. Are you pissed off? Yeah, she did her job. You know? You're the stupid fuck that handed her the phone. <laughs> have, you, have you, um, so, the, I mean, so for, for, the, for the people that are, like, very good at, like, basically connecting with just about any crowd, which is goes back to what you originally said, how you want to kind of work as many, not territory, but like towns as possible, I guess. But um, has there ever been a time where you've been in a town and it's just like, wow, I really got to go out of my way and make this work? Like, you know, or... or um... Yes, but, but when that happens, when it happened to me, it was because I had the worst 
walking opponent in my 30 years. Nicole Bass, the worst motherfucker to ever step into a fucking wrestling ring. This motherfucker, from the time you walked in the dressing room till the time you walked out, went over her fucking match and still fucked it up. You would say to her, all you're going to do is shove me and pose. That motherfucker would slap me and then stand there and go, what are you going to do? So I punch her in the face. <laughs> this is the shit you got to deal with. And the crowd, remember, these days they're a lot smarter than they were back then. So these guys are like, oh, something's off with this match. Something ain't right. And then you're saying, take my head and smash it in a turnbuckle. And dumbass don't know what to do. She's walking around. And I'm like, take my head. And then I fucking just break it. And I start laying into her. And I go, you stupid cunt, do this. And I take her head and I start smashing it into the turnbuckle. I'm like, that's what I want you to do. Now do it. She's like, my face, my face. You hurt my face. I'm looking. I'm like, you're supposed to be a fucking power lifter. And you're acting like a fucking pussy in the ring. Oh, I, was I fucked her up afterwards. And then we went back to the dressing room. I stood by the fucking promoters. Um, office door and I was waiting for her. She saw me and went around the lockers and I went, yup, I took your fucking heart, you motherfucker. And then she went and she was like, she was too rough, she was this, my face. I said, let me tell you something, you motherfucker. You don't know fucking wristwatch from a wristwatch. You don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. I said, you fucked that match up. I said, that fucking match was terrible. I said, when I fucked you up, the crowd liked it. I go with what the crowd wanted because you don't know shit. And I was like, you fuckers are paying her 500 fucking dollars and she ain't worth fucking 50 cents. A crack or give blowjobs to a truck driver. More <laughs> fucking prestigious than this bitch. Oh, I was livid. That was at NWS with fat fuck Gino and Panzerino. I was livid that night. And I was like, I'm done. I know. You don't pay me enough to work with this motherfucker. She's fucking horrible. And then and then they put somebody else in there with her and she wound up hurting them. And I said, see? No, it's not me. It's her. She's a stupid fucking cunt. That's why I called her a cunt. She's a stupid fucking cunt. She don't belong in the fucking business. Oh, she was one of what Fred Blassie would say she was a fucking freak, and that's why she was in the business. <laughs> we, we have to do more interviews. <laughs> no, um, actually, one of the other things that we were talking about was, um, okay, this will be the last question for me, but the um, when you said that, and this is a topic of conversation all the time on, on the inter, on like social media pages and everything about fans who are smarter i mean not even not even in the sarcastic sense like oh you think you're smarter but like you know there's certain things that they just know more about but like right. and, and when you look at the people they say like you know uh, why can't you just like drop all that shit and just enjoy the product but like do you think that it's kind of it's kind of like how television shows are these days where it's like yes people know that it's fake but because they enjoy it so much they can invest time into the storylines People don't want to watch anything that's not going to make them connect. If they can't be entertained by it, whether it's you piss them off, you make them happy, you make them cry, you know, you're, the all Hallmark moment. Why do people watch Hallmark movies? Because they had live happily ever after. We all want to live happily ever after in our big, beautiful, well-decorated Christmas mansions. <laughs> well, you know, that's what people want, you know. Give the people what they want and they'll come back. That's pretty much what it is. You know, and, and, and that's why when I go out to a match, people want to see me fuck people up. They don't want to see me do a top total takedown. They want to see me take my forearm and crack it across your, your fucking back. That's what they want to see. Because, like I, like I used to say back in the day, when I, back in the 90s and stuff, when people interviewed me, they're like, why do you say you're so different? I said, I'm people's perversion. People relate more to me than they would someone like Sonny. And they said, well, why do you say that? I said, because I look more human than Sonny does. 
I was like, I look like a normal person. Well, just in fucking 20 pounds of leather, but I look like a normal person. I got fat rolls. I'm not, you know, perfect. I don't have fake per- perky titties and, you know, hair extensions and all. What you see is what you get. So they can relate to me more. You know, I, I, I relate to... I related to the working class people. So when I'm fucking somebody up, they're, they're, I'm their perversion where they're like, yeah, they're thinking, I, yeah, I wish that was my boss getting his ass kicked. That motherfucker, what he did to me. So I was people's perversion. I was actually their therapy. So they didn't kick their dog or smack their wives. <laughs> that, is, that, that, that is a very good way of putting it. Well, that, that's just what it is. I mean, you got to give people what they want. People nowadays don't have outlets. They don't have an outlet for their frustrations. They go to work and they got to eat shit from a guy who's probably 20 years younger than them and, and don't have a tenth of the life experience that they have. So they got to eat shit from this kid so they can pay for their kid's bracelets or their wife's chemo or their car payment or whatever. So they got to eat shit. So they come to the wrestling and they don't have to eat shit. What they, what they want is they want somebody to get the shit beat out of them, pretty much. They want to see somebody <laughs> shit themselves in the ring, you know? So that's why, the, they, that's why they relate to it and they love it. That's why around here people love heels so much because people get... Think about our area. We are the most obnoxious dickheads on the planet. Motherfuckers throw... Come on. Throw the Eagle fans throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. That ain't some fucked up shit right there. <laughs> like, come on. Seriously. We're not... Hey, full of Eagle fans. They throw a snowball at Santa. Yay! No, people... The normal fucking people around the world are like, that's horrific. What kind of fucking town is that? We're just a bunch of jerk-offs and we just love to watch people get fucked up. That's, that's, why, that's why if you watch... Uh, that's why if you watch the um, pay-per-views or shows from, like... New the like the the New York crowds the Philly crowds and they're always yeah. like oh man look at them they're cheering the he- or, like they're cheering the bad we're guys Hilltown. Like, we're Hilltown. <laughs> yep. from you... New York from New York down 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 to Delaware and over to Pennsy we're fucking heel lovers we love heels and I'm not talking about the kind you put on your feet <laughs> it's the truth it's the god's honest truth it's their perversion it's their outlet it's like yeah you're finally you're paying this motherfucker back for me you know what i'm saying yeah. so you got to be able to connect with the fans now, i'm not saying where you become friends with them and stuff but your work a good true artist in anything whether it's music whether it's 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 acting whether it's wrestling which to me i always say to people i had a friend of mine who studies theater and she's like theater is so much more harder than pro wrestling and she was with all her little bougie-ass theater friends, and we're all eating sushi, and, you know, you know, they think, they, you know, their shit don't stink, but their farts give them away. And they're like, oh, yes, maybe that's pro wrestling, but, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing compared to theater. And I just looked at her, I went, you're absolutely right, and everybody looked at me. And one guy goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, see, you only have to entertain three fucking sides, okay? The left, the right, and the middle. I gotta entertain the left, the right, the middle, and the fuck behind me, as well as all the motherfuckers in the camera. And they look at you. And I said, yeah. I said, and I have to act like I'm fucking evil while I'm fucking doing physical moves. I'm not walking around the stage waving a fan and singing the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plains. I'm telling people I want to fucking rip out your balls and skull fuck you (laughs) as I drop a leg across them huge difference so it's a little harder for me than you but if you think that theater your theater is much harder than mine please come step into my world anytime and I'll show you the difference with that they change the subject <laughs> it is if you think about it we have violence all pro wrestling uses a violent version of theater yeah. with a camera 
It really is. So true. That is, um... It really is, if you think about it. And people look at me and are like, oh, I never thought it like that. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, you don't know fucking psychology then. That's how you know people don't know psychology because they can't relate other things to what you do. They just yeah. have that one pinhole mind. You can't. You gotta be... When you're a pro wrestler, you gotta be broad-minded. Like, Regal used to say, oh, I would carry my brass knuckles with me everywhere to do promos and do pictures and this, that, and the other and, and stuff. And I used to laugh because I'm like, yeah, you're right, because I used to take my leather jacket everywhere I would go. And I would just, like, throw it over my shoulder and do an angle or, you know, like, oh, look at these. I, 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 listen, here's one for you. I'm in... I'm down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And there's a biker bar. Now, mind you, I just get off the plane from my real job. I'm in my suit and everything and pearls. I have my leather jacket in my hand. And I turn around and see all these biker things. Now, I have to do a promo because I have a match coming up with somebody. So, I turn around. I take the jacket. I throw it over my shoulder. You still see part of my suit and everything. I get Charlie, the camera guy. I say, we're going to film this. He's like, all right, what are we going to do? And I said, watch this. I'm like... Yeah, that's right, fucking Riptide. You thought I wasn't coming because of my fucking probation officer for beating up my old man last week because the bitch ate my Cheetos, Fritos, and Doritos? Well, guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> the governor gave me a pardon. I'm the fuck here in Tennessee. And as you can see, the bitch is back in town. And I just cut a promo, had my leather jacket with somebody else's bike, and I just <laughs> I just played it off like that. And, and they played it. And that's what they did. They just played it, and they played it, and they played it before the before the uh, wrestling show. Because they were like, is she going to show up? Is she not? Like, they did this whole question thing, but they didn't know how they were going to do it. And I said, here, let me do it. And, and, and that was one thing with WEW. They used to let me run with everything. They let me do my own creativity. So what I did one time is I took, somebody had given me a teddy bear, and it was from the wild one. And, um, because I like Marlon Brando movies. So mm-hmm. his name is, um, Mar- Marlon Barando Bear or something like that. I don't know. But I brought him with me. Now I got a fucking teddy bear with my leathers in my wrestling bag. This is fucking great where I'm totally feeling pay-per-view. So I said, all right, I got to do this, this promo. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking about the championship match where I'm going to beat G.I. Ho for the belt. So I put the teddy bear on this ladder and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and I'm, you know, and I said that I'm just filming me like I'm having a conversation. I look down, I'm like, yeah, man. I was like, you got to totally like kayfabe this shit. Like, oh, I'm kind of fucking nervous over this. I was like, this is the belt. I was like, first of all, you know, that means I got to stay in the fucking state. You know, I don't like to stay in one place too long. And, and I did like this whole like shtick sh- with it and everything. And then somebody acted like they knocked on the door and go, yo, prime time, it's time to go. And I was like, all right, listen, this conversation just between me and you. Peace out, brother. I'll, I'll see you tonight. And, and, and then you see me walking away and then you see the camera go to the teddy bear and then pull away and then go back like, what the fuck was she talking to? Because <laughs> it was a side of me you never saw. So you have to be creative like that. And yes. people don't have that. If you notice, how many promos do you watch is the same shit. They do five minutes of talking and you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It's true. Yeah. That's like mostly the whole WWE show. <laughs> What's that? It's like mostly the whole WWE show this week. Yeah, but they go what? out there and they go to cut a promo and I'm like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go get some popcorn and get a shower. And then they're still talking. I'm like, god damn, either I took a horse bath or they're still talking. They were talking a long time. The, the but, only yeah. person I'm really enjoying is Bray Wyatt right now. Yeah, I like him. But why, you know why? Because he comes from lineage. He comes from old school lineage. Yes. Because I he, heard that yeah. AEW show wasn't bad. I didn't watch it yet, but I heard it wasn't bad. Um, one of one of the things that I mean, I I only kind of follow up until so much, but like one of the things that they were talking about was that um, 
they wanted to try to kind of stray away from from reading off the script basically it's mm-hmm. like i mean that's just one i mean i think that's one well, 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 well when people talk about wrestling and they mention ww i mean they, ww does so many things different compared to every you know whether it works for them or not but like everybody always says yeah most of the promos that they read it's scripted and you could obviously tell so and the ones that were there's less script you can see it like i mean it's it's pretty easy to pick up on so and um that's uh that's one of the things and then somebody else was like well you got these people that can't like do promos well, well then they have to work on that like you know they can't yeah they people. do they have to work on that it's like listen think about this hulk hogan was not the greatest wrestler but he had a look about him he had charisma and a motherfucker could cut a promo Look at Dusty. Dusty didn't do a lot of wrestling moves, but man, when that motherfucker talked, it was like E.F. Hutton. and everybody listened. Yes, it's because he had. A... He could do a union address in the entire country would tune in. Just <laughs> because of all. Seriously, same thing with Flair. <clears throat> when Flair speaks, people listen. Yes. It Paul also it, it also comes down to like when you when you mention like those names, they had characters that people can invest like emotionally invest in. And that's... Right, exactly. Look at look at fucking Dusty. He was a fat, bleach blonde dude who's getting over the list. He took the negative, turned it positives. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what you got to do. You gotta, you know, like I said to Tara Calvin, you're all sensitive about because you're taller and fatter than everybody. Who gives a fuck? Use it to your advantage. I would if I was your height. My God, I'd be a fucking like millions instead of instead of hundreds. You fuck. <laughs> And, and, and they're like, eh. like, there was a girl, she used to wrestle a psycho bitch. She came out of Boyertown. And she wore, like, fucked up may- makeup and this black crushed velvet bodysuit. Well, she was upset that all the girls at WEW, the, 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 the tiny honeys, were making all this money on promo on their, their, their merch, and she wasn't. So the promoter said to her, why don't you do face paintings and stuff like that? You know, charge five bucks, paint their face, you know, scary. You know, or real fucked up looking, and let him get a picture with you. And she was like, no, no. And I'm like, what are you in this for? And then she wanted to be Debbie Sue. I wanted to be part of the May family. So then she was wearing a coveralls and all. And she didn't get over. She just looked like a fucking big fat chick in fucking coveralls. Like, nobody could relate to her. They were just like, uh. She wasn't different. When she was psycho bitch and she would scream and she would do a backflip and then with a flying elbow, people popped for that. That was like her finishing move to set it up. Yeah. But she, she don't do that. Like, I watch everybody in their finishers, and I'm like, y'all do the same finisher just about. I do Bulldog. I did a Bulldog, and the fucking place popped, and I went, thank you, Barry Window. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do shit that nobody else sees. I always pop for the Insigori. That's why our show's called the Insigori. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you got any, uh, you got any, any last question? I, I, I have nothing else, um. <laughs> Yes, you do. You got to. Oh, dude, we else. have to. We have to bring her back on again, so we can't use everything. Yeah, you know I mean? yes, this is true. I'm old and retired. Listen, as I said in my farewell speech, all I want to do when I turn fifty is fondle my husband's balls, fix up the <laughs> house I live in, and raise fucking ferrets again. That's it. <laughs> I'm serious. I, my wrestling bag is in the attic. Like, like you know, people were like, I was like, I'm selling my boots. This one jabroni says he wants to buy it. I think he had special needs, so he didn't understand you had to pay for it right away. Yeah. And then after the time frame that I gave him, I'm like, look, dude, you don't understand. He's like, well, we know my tax return. I'm like, well, I can't wait for that, you know? So somebody else, said, uh, somebody, oh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame came to me and they're like, 
will you put your wrestling boots in, in our Hall of Fame and, and your shirt? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I did that. Yeah. You know, he's probably, I don't know, he could be masturbating in him for all I know. I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I have no use for him because that night, the sole of my left boot blew out. So I'm walking on fucking thumbtacks with like a flip-floppity clown shoe boot. I'm like, this fucking hurt. The thumbtacks of my feet hurt more than anything else in the goddamn match. I said, he did some, some bullshit. I really look like a pussy now. The fucking thumbtacks on my feet. I was like, fuck this shit. It hurts too much. He a pedicure. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's so great. Uh, I'm planning on trying to start a charity and trying to, like, put um, all the money going to Children's Hospital for people that can't afford paying their bills. Oh, that's nice. So that's what I'm trying to do in the future. So I'm talking Mm -hmm. to wrestlers to see if they will do stuff. But Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to do it first. Yeah. So in the future, that would be awesome if you sign something and we could donate it to... Whatever cause and you might get fifty cents for it, but sure, why not? Do anything can help, but you're gonna help somebody that uh, has a kid that has cancer and their parents can't afford it. So I want to try to like try to afford it for them, and they don't have oh, to worry about good. anything. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a good idea. You know, so right now, I'm, um, you know Dave Keener, right? Uh-huh. His brother's Mike. Um, yeah, he's helping me try to put all this stuff together too. So, that's our plan right now. Okay. Yeah. But this was great having you on. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't bore you. Oh, my gosh. You had me laughing. <laughs> oh, this I, I totally lost one of my notes, and I'm like, screw it. She's talking about everything I, I was going to ask. So, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, the, the, like the, the, other, the other interviews that we've had, I got to say this. I, this was the first one where I said, we have to have her back on again sometime. <laughs> uh, I just speak the truth. I don't sugarcoat it. Uh, that's just me, you know. And and I just I I'm just me. I, I always tell people, you know, I's like I'm just me. I'm a unique flavor. I'm a different hairpin than most, you know. As, some like you, some don't. I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I think I think when uh, Dave or when Dave Keener was talking talking about you, he was like. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good interview. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he he was definitely uh giving you giving you props. So, oh thank you, I appreciate that. Because like the first time I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think we should put Amy Lee on because you've been in the business so long, and and plus you're on the everybody knows you from the East Coast side. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But every time someone comes on Instagram, I always make it. I think that you become a part of the family, so welcome to our family. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, um, if you know Frankie Picard, um, like, yeah, I, I know a little about. He's a good dude. I got, I got to know him really well. You know what I mean? We, we chat all the time. And then, like, I, I said something to him because he promotes us really well when he does stuff for us. You know what I mean? He's on yeah. Twitter promoting us. And I, I told him thank you. He said, we're family. And, and that's what I really mean when I bring people on. I want to make it a family thing, you know what I mean? Listen, I th- this is what I say to people all the time. I think it's so fucked up that you can have an arena and you can have six matches and you can have anywhere from 100 people to 500 people or thousands of people get along for three hours and all these motherfuckers in office can't get along for five minutes. That's sad. Yeah. That's sad. I'm just saying it's sad. 
kind of how I feel about my current job. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I know. Oh, please, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. These people, when I got to go in tonight, actually. <laughs> like, uh, uh, um, oh, my gosh. Um, retirement? Man, I can't wait for the day I can retire. <laughs> we'll, be there, we'll be there eventually. So. <laughs> All right, man. Okay. Thank you. Um, anytime you, you want to come right over, now. if it's like you want to come on to chit-chat, just say something. We'll cu- come on. We'll chit-chat about whatever's going on in wrestling now. Listen, what I said to you guys tonight when I explained the psychology, all that came from guys like Murdoch, Rhodes, Blackjack Mulligan, The Funks, Eddie Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, and also, you know, when, when you're saying to me, yeah, I was talking to Scott R., I was talking to this one, I was talking to that one, and they... And, and you, you know I was trained by a pro. So when these indie guys come on here or these young bucks come on here and they try to blow smoke up your ass, you just tell them, uh-uh, motherfucker, that ain't how it rolls. <laughs> Don't want to blow smoke up your ass. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, guys, you take care. You too. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. It was one of the, my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And we're definitely going to have to put a little disclaimer, uh, NSFW. Yeah, we got to. <laughs> yeah, because because we are we are so family-oriented. You know, I think the last episode we were talking about our porno sites. So, um, <laughs> that was the last one that you had scheduled. I, I know that you were mentioning something earlier, but we'll, we'll jump into that next week. Yeah, um, we got the TNA referee, uh, Chris, um, sh- Details, man. Okay. Say it correctly. Details. No, no, no. Say, say it right. Uh, impact. Thank you. That's what okay. I'm talking about. I know what you mean when you say TNA, but like that's. I'm always I'm always roasting DB over here because uh, you know because you I'm like the I'm like the Mike Tanay. I I like to like. You're supposed to call this move this. You don't call it what a move. Oh my gosh. Um. So, Dave Keener just took over for me to book people onto the shows. I gave him a make because he knows more indie guys, more wrestlers that were big names, so he could talk to them instead of me getting pushed to the side like I've been doing lately. Like, hey, when you come on, and they don't answer me. So, Keener knows these guys, so he's booking everything to make it easy for me. So I can't wait to see what he has next for us. Hey, he's he's doing a good job. He's talking to guys. They're just putting them dates together and I know I know the the, uh, the referee one um it has to be in the week of we do the regular podcast. Okay, so um, but it's going to get aired later on. No, no. So, so some something that I mean, we don't have to talk about this now. But just before we wrap things up, was that I wanted to. Um, I really, I, I really hate the term regular podcast over. Yeah. Inter- hold on, a second. I'll, let me finish. Yeah, I know. Um, regular podcast over interviews or whatever. But like, I think not now, but soon. That could be in two, three, four weeks, whatever. I was going to separate the inner, like if you go on the SoundCloud page, you can see that 
the interviews are separated into their own tabs, but at the same time, it still falls under the episode numbers for the regular shows. So I think for those specific shows, we're going to have them listed as interviews. Now, I always say that when we do our weekly podcast, that it we typically do it Sunday, Monday, but it could basically be any day of the week, just as long as we do one show a week. Yes. But what I wanted to do was, was that I wanted to possibly make it where we do the weekly podcast, but if we have an interview, we could also do that. So Okay. That would be kind of cool. It'll be, I think that would... Be, well, well, one of the reasons for that, and jumping into how there's a lot of things that we need to work on on a regular basis, is that like when I was taking a look at our our views over the last six months is that because we've been focusing on the interviews, which is something that I say is very important because that's something that's helping us out, but it's also scaling back on the viewership that we had for talking about what's going on. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's things that regardless of, I, I mean, I know that people say like, I mean, this is, this isn't even like personal, like, you know, business discussion, but like when people talk about on social media or whatever, and they're like, you know, I I want to get the results for this week. Oh, you can get them anywhere. But there's a lot of people that like to hear opinions from certain people. Like, you know, that's why that's... Mr. Negativity over here. <laughs> you're not negative about everything. You're just kind of a dick. <laughs> but, some, but, but, some, but, but at, at the same time, I can't say that because there are people that will listen specifically for you and can't stand my bullshit. So, like, you know, we're trying to... We're trying to connect with as many people as possible, which also goes back to when I say that if anybody has anything that they want to, any feedback is welcome. I don't care if you say that we suck. As Thank long you. as we know that there's, there's things that we need to do. Um, so we got our shout outs. We're going to get, we're going to give a shout out to. Our last interview, Amy Lee, that was awesome. We forgot to ask about the social media stuff, but she seemed to be very old school. It's like, I think it's like, you want to talk to me, just call me on the fucking phone. Like, <laughs> nah, but um, we'll, we'll um, if I find anything on there, then I'll, I'll link, link it up to her um, Facebook or Twitter. Um, yeah. We have to give a shout out to Jamak, who couldn't make it tonight because of car issues, uh, possibly next week. Hopefully that'll get taken care of. Uh, our, our friends on Facebook, um, Wrestle Cave Podcast, Ace, and all that stuff, like, he's a good crew of people, um, I know that we got the Mark Out Club, and, and you always say, fuck Cult of Kayfabe, and, and, uh, the Chair Shot, and all those, we want to be able to share our love with as many people as possible. I left, like, with my, um pissed off moments in life lately I left a lot of groups you know what I mean because I really don't want to be that guy I need to calm down because everything I see it's like AEW is number, number two company and I'm like no it isn't not yet give it a year give it a couple you know what I mean and then I can say, like, how NXT started off. It wasn't, it's not there yet. And boom, look how great it is. You know what I mean? It's, NXT, better than, it's better than WWE Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, but NXT has always been an illusion because it's, I, I, 
I have a hard time getting invested into their product knowing that it's basically just a farm system. It's like, I could say, man, I really love this AAA baseball team. But these guys are going to be gone next year. Like, you know, so... But it's really good to see that, I mean, that's something else we could have asked about also, is like, oh, what's your opinion on Triple H? Because Triple H is very WWE-oriented, but he's also has certain things in his mind that he wants to accomplish as far as, like, presentation and everything. And that's why I always tell people, I say, they have they have the resources to put on a killer product. That's not yeah. the issue. Is that they feel that this is what's good for them right now, regardless of what a lot of fans say. Um, but, what the hell was it? It was, uh... Oh yeah, so going back to what you were saying about being that guy. But that could also, I mean, I I harp on you just as much as the next person. But the, um, when I was at work tonight, or last night, and I, and I came home, and I felt the need, I was like, I want to post something on Facebook about this. You know, I have to say, because I have to let it be known how I feel on Facebook. Like, you know, but mm -hmm. I, I thought to myself... At work, there's always that one guy, or one girl, it doesn't matter, that one person. Mm -hmm. But what happens when you work with a bunch of people who don't feel like doing shit, and when you're doing your job, you become that one person? And all of a sudden, because I was like, man, why do I got a bunch of fucking haters around here? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wait a second, because I'm that one person. So, with the whole social media talking about jumping right into it, like the other day on Friday, around 11 o'clock, I just saw... The craziest thing in my life. Yeah, I mean, motorcycle accident. I I I understand that. Um, but those things. But the thing, but the thing that I want to get to, that's sad, but I don't want this to happen to my friendship. Like if something happens to anybody, I'm all, I'm going to be always there. I'm not going to drive off when the cops come. I'm going to be there with you. So that's what but I'm it, trying to say. But as far as like what happened, I mean, it could have. You don't. You, you you don't know. You just saw the the end the end of the horror flick. Like you don't know like everything that led to that. Like I remember. Oh, one, I saw the whole thing. But coming no, no, in, no, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, here's here's one for you. Like I had um. It was years ago. I got a DUI or whatever, and when I was pulled over and the. the uh, people I was with, they fucking bailed. And I was just like, well, this is fucked up. Because I'm obviously going to need a ride now. I can't drive my car. And I was like, well, what the fuck do they care? And, like, so one of the people I was with, that was a friend of mine, but then it was somebody else I never even talked to before. But then, later on, my friend picked me up. And then they got pissed off because they were like, yeah, he was like, oh, let's get the fuck out of here. Why can I get this guy? So, like, I mean, it could just be people that don't know each other and it's like oh I don't want to get in trouble I gotta get out of here like you know but like in Fast and Furious when um, Vin Diesel drove his car and hit it and he's walking in the cop game and out from nowhere Paul Walker comes in so. ain't nothing realistic about Fast and Furious <laughs> Fast and Furious come on I love that movie I Fast and Furious Back to the Future Edition let's bring back dinosaurs and shit um <laughs> yeah so there's still a lot of things that we want to try to do with the podcast we're gonna 
Uh, we've been kind of scaling back on talking about weekly results, but I, I don't want to make that the prime focus, but I do want to bring a little bit more of that back. Um, there's a couple ideas uh, I was throwing around as far as the league goes, but James Weiss and Dave are the main guys for that, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Just a lot of good stuff coming up, so... Um, yeah, and state, plus my state. idea of starting the charity too. Yeah, yeah, definitely that too. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of things that we can do to try to, and another thing that I wanted to try to do is, is um, shout out to Josh Ho and his five takes for whenever he does it for Raw SmackDown pay per views. Yeah, we need more things like that. I'm, I, I, I know I say this, and these are things that maybe we can do, but we want to find somebody who's dedicated to specifically doing things like articles and and um wrestling show reviews because even if we talk about the results and give our take on them we we still want somebody that can yeah. give the weekly results and throw out snowflake stars everywhere and i do know. want i do want to say thank you to guys like um frankie picard matt tremont dave parker whoever else puts their their promotion onto our page and try to promote their show because they're from like like she said, you're a promoter. You got to promote your shit. And, yeah, that's and, and, and it's not their job to promote them. <laughs> George is not our promoter. Nope. He, <laughs> he, he he's our uh, he he's our he's our hotline guy that we give the number to every week. If you need any hotline comments, um, it's four eight four eight two four three two. I see. I fucked up. Nine eight two three. Um, there you go. Ain't Just nobody, ask for George. Nobody, you know what you're gonna call him. Also known as the Keener Report. It yes. used to be called that. Alright, it's uh it's nine twenty two. I still don't have internet, which pisses me off, but we gotta wrap things up. Um, yeah. this is this is Fran. This is DB Richards. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Good night everybody. Yeah.